Welcome to the podcast for St. Andrews Community United Methodist Church, a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith where our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to this week's podcast for St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, a church with a mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ and a vision to be a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith centered in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're so glad you're listening today. We do pray that uh, as you listen, that perhaps you will learn something or you'll, more importantly, just hear exactly what it is that God wants to say to you and, and help you in your place in faith. Uh, with me, as always, in studio is my friend, my colleague, the woman with the good <laughs> shoes, Pastor Stephanie. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I really am. I'm enjoying spring, and I think it's fun to... Just think about summer is coming, and uh-huh. it's just great. But also, it was really great to celebrate Easter this past week. You know, one of the things that's helping me celebrate Easter is kind of what's going on in our front yard and what I see going on with some of the stuff here at the church. Yes. Because we had that, you know, blizzard and that two weeks of sub-freezing temperatures right. back in February, and it really did a job on our landscaping plants. Yeah. But now they're starting to green up a little. Yes. And I heard a guy on the radio, he said, if they're turning green, they're still alive. So don't dig them up, don't cut them out. Right. And just what a glorious reminder that yeah. uh, just when it seems like all hope is lost and everything is dead, yes. Jesus rises from the dead to give us oh, it's new so life. so good. So, so true. So tell us a little bit about this series that we're in. We've been in it for a little while. This is the seventh week. And, and I want to say... Um, it, it is the end of this series, but just a little tease. Actually, we'll build off of this for right. next week's podcast as well. But uh, I just found in Second Peter chapter 1 where Peter's talking about God has given us all these sacred, these great, these precious promises. And, and these promises help us to mm-hmm. avoid the world's corruption caused by human desires. Right. And it helps us to participate in the divine nature of God. Yes. And so it says, so add to your faith or the new living translation that I've been preaching from says mm-hmm. supplement your faith. And it, it gives a list of seven different attributes. We, mm-hmm. we looked at moral excellence, which is also translated goodness and how it is that we should strive for moral excellence. Right. And then we talked about knowledge, not being trivia knowledge of, mm-hmm. you know, answering things about Jesus, but fully coming into relationship with and having experience and knowledge with Jesus. Yes. Uh, self-control that we do need to have self-control and then add to self-control, patient endurance, mm-hmm. patient endurance, godliness, that we want to seek to to be people that, because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, holiness is a part of our character and a part of how we live. Yes. Uh, mutual affection that those in the church ought to have for each other mm-hmm. because Jesus was clear, by this people will know you're my disciples, yes. the love you have for one another. Right. Uh, and then the last one that we're going to look at today is an add to mutual affection love. Yes. And one of the things that uh, I think is, is helpful to think about and, and was part of the sermon is, you know, if you're going to add love to your faith, we, we can ask, why was love last on the list? I did right. that. You know, is, is it because it's the most important thing? So it's the trump card. We're saving the right. best one, the most important one till the last thing on the list. Yeah. But if you're going to add love to your faith, then we really need to understand what love is. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just clear that people interpret 
or define love differently, whether it's people in the church or people outside the church or right. people that belong to a different kind of world religion, mm-hmm. the way we interpret love is different. And so how, when, when mm-hmm. you experience that, what are some of the things that you hear people say, oh, well, this is a loving thing to do, and you're like, It's it's, it's such a good thing because it's funny that it's such a universal language and yet we all interpret it and show it so differently. Right. And so one of the things that makes me think of is uh, the five love languages by Gary Chapman. Yeah. Which, of course, has done like offshoots for children and anyway, different stages of life and stuff like that. But the thing that I love about the five love languages is that Gary Chapman makes it very clear that usually the way you interpret love is is how you show it. Right. So if, for instance, your love language is acts of service, you will show that to other people by you know, unloading the dishwasher or going out and serving a meal or whatever it is, you, that's how you show it, but that's how you like to receive right. it. And f- if you're married to someone whose love language is different and you keep trying to show love in this way, but they don't receive it that way, then, uh, you know, I've had couples that I have counseled who we've talked about this and, you know, the, they have like this eye-opening experience. You know, the wife will sit there and she'll be like, I had no idea you were telling me that you loved me when you took out the trash. Yeah. That didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But then it's like, oh my goodness, it's this whole new world of giving and receiving love. But I think that that's kind of a microcosm of uh, love on a grander scale is that we need to remember that there are so many ways to show love. There's also ways to experience love uh, that we may never have thought of before. So what are your thoughts? One of the things I immediately go to trying to think of, you know, popular culture and, mm-hmm. and what is it that people listen to when they're listening to music. And, right. you know, when I was a teenager back in, you know, right after the ice age had, <laughs> you know, hit the earth, uh, you know, listening to popular music was a big part. Right. And and that message of what they would say about love mm-hmm. really gets into your thoughts. And I think the same thing is true today with um, my, my teenage children. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't listen to their music. I don't even right. know how much music they actually listen to. Yeah. Uh, although lately when I... Uh, I got in my wife's car recently, and it was on a country station. And I'm like, my wife does not listen to country music, and it was your daughter. My daughter wasn't was it? like, well, that's what we listen to. <laughs> like, okay, you know, whose children go. are you? <laughs> Where did you come from? <laughs> what happened? But uh, to think of, you know, whether it's country music or more rock music or yeah. whatever it is, sometimes people sing about love, but it's not the kind of love that mm. we really read about in scripture, and right. it's not to say that. Uh, you know, that music is evil. I'm not trying to insinuate that at all. Simply to say that the messages of love that all of us have been bombarded with at Mm -hmm. some point in our life is not necessarily the love that we read about in Scripture and the love that Jesus refers to when he says, um, you know, this is how people will know you're my Mm -hmm. disciples. And so when, when we think of you know, love, and, and again, it's, it's cliche, really, at least in my experience, probably cliche in yours mm-hmm. and perhaps several of our listeners, that uh, in English, we have one word, love. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. <laughs> and, and we use it to say, you know, I love ice cream, I love my dog, I, <laughs> you know, love my wife and children. It's, it's all just the same word, love. Mm-hmm. But in the New Testament language, as we received it from Greek, there were several different 
words yeah. that they used for love. Yeah. And in this instance, when it says add love to your faith, it is the word agape. Mm-hmm. Most popular definition I'm aware of people say agape is unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is a big difference between the biblical definition of love and a popular cultural right. definition of love. I mean, everybody wants love unconditional, but let's be honest, a lot of people are willing just to settle for conditional love. Right, exactly. And, and to me, that is temporary, mm-hmm. and uh, it just doesn't last. Well, and it's interesting, too, because a lot of times the fact that people are willing to settle for conditional love means that then they translate that to God, and they right. think that God right. loves them conditionally, which is not how God loves. The other thing I think is interesting about love, and, and you referencing your teenage kids may me think of my teenage girls as they're kind of moving into the ideas of romantic relationships. But it's interesting in in helping them understand in relationship, whether it's romantic or whether it's friendly, whatever it is, yeah. that love itself, a true unconditional love, grows over time. And a lot of times with popular culture, what we sing about, what we see in the movies, is kind of this infatuation that is called love. And and I know I've had several conversations with my girls about the fact that, you know, they they're trying to tell the difference between the two. And if you get trapped in this idea that infatuation is love, then you really fall into a bad trap because right. love is intended to be godly and and what god shows us in his love is that he's faithful over time and that um he doesn't change but we do and right. so we get to uh, enjoy the growing into that love rather than just um having it be like a sprint it's more like a marathon right and one of the songs i've been playing just it's a song that i love and i have to confess it it's really a song that seems and feels Dark. Okay. Uh, yeah. The the name of the song is called "Who Can I Tell." It was written by a guy named Chris Rhodes, who, mm-hmm. when I did campus ministry, he kind of was trying to start a music career, and he would make the campus ministry circuit in Oklahoma. Yes. Okay. Uh, and the the first verse of the song, and it, it, I, again, you, this will tell you how yeah. dark the song uh-huh. is. Uh, it starts off and it says, "Last night, Daddy came in here again mm-hmm. and touched me in the places that are mine and mine alone." Oh. And he says, "Girl." This is what love is. Mm. And why does love make me feel dead and make me feel alone? Right. And of course, the, the purpose of the song is not to drudge up all that darkness. Right. It's a, a cry, God, who can I tell? Right. You know, the, the preacher says you hear me, mm-hmm. but is there someone I can tell because mm. I, I wow. need help? Yeah. But just that whole idea that, to me, the mm-hmm. lyrics of that song reflect a truth mm-hmm. that sometimes people buy into that to do things that are harmful or Mm -hmm. hurtful or um, just selfish for me, I don't Mm -hmm. care about you, that some people say, well, that's what love is. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Mm -mm. And that's not the kind of love we add to our faith. That's not the kind of love we want to express Mm -hmm. to each other. And so we really want to grasp hold of the fact that the, the love that God has for all people is unconditional. Yeah, You can't chase it away. You can't give it away. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that can separate mm-hmm. us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm-hmm. And that leads us then to, so if we're going to define love, one of the things is that let's have the type of love that Jesus had, mm-hmm. which I believe is a type of love that leads people 
into a saving faith. Mm -hmm. Because when we talk about faith, that's what we're talking about, that faith, you know, receives the gift of grace that God is handing to us. So since we have that faith by which we are saved by grace, Mm -hmm. so now let's add to that the love that God has that leads other people Mm -hmm. into this relationship with saving faith. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love the point that you made about uh, when you were talking about the confirmation students, right? And, um, you know, we'll be confirming them here this Sunday, and it's shameless plug. Six o'clock, exactly. Dress up. Six it's o'clock, a great right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Come to church. Um, but I think it's really interesting that you you talked about the fact that several of them had made the decision on their own to accept Christ, but they didn't do it because they were scared. They did right. it because they were loved. And I think that that is what this adding love to our faith is all about. That when we are loved with a godly, unconditional love, it leads us to Christ. And and really, as Christians, that is our one of our main callings that every single one of us has, that we have followed in a path where other Christians have helped to pave the way. And then as we walk in that path, then we pave the way for the ones coming right. after us. And I think as we add that kind of love, it shows a world that, really needs to see what true love is. It shows them what that is. Just like when you're referencing the song a moment ago, there are so many people who have such a skewed and unhealthy right. um, feeling of love or meaning of love in their life. And we as Christians can help make a difference to show them a different way. Right. And, and I'll be honest, part of the motivation for having this in the sermon and wanting to communicate this message so clearly is because of my, my own story and my mm-hmm. own testimony. I mean, I grew up in the church. I you know, can never remember a time when somebody wasn't telling me that Jesus loved me. Right. And uh, I remember the time when somebody said, yeah, Jesus does love you, but you know, you're a sinner and you need, need <laughs> yeah. to make a decision. Yeah. Um, and that particular night when I really remember the first time making the decision, it wasn't because I felt love. It was mm-hmm. because I felt fear mm-hmm. that I, I was in a church. It was not one of, um, you know, a United Methodist church. It was a different tradition mm-hmm. that really believed strongly in hell. And, and that was kind of their whole evangelism strategy, mm-hmm. convince people they're going to go to hell, uh, but Jesus will save them from that. Right. Um, and when I made that decision, a lot of it was, I will do anything and everything I can, <laughs> you know, not to experience right, that. Right. But while that that may have led me to that decision, it was not enough to sustain me right. in that decision. It is the love of God because, mm-hmm. you know, the older I get and the more increasingly I feel the weight of sin mm-hmm. when when I do sin, mm-hmm. it's like, but that can't separate me from the love of God. Uh, because I'm in Christ Jesus, there's not condemnation. There is forgiveness right. for that. And so I, I don't want people to... to think that God is a God that says, love me or else. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) You know, God is a God that says, I love you, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. And I do want you to love me also. Yes, exactly, exactly. Then another strategy that people use that, to, I think sometimes in the church, when when we feel like salvation is the most important doctrine of Mm -hmm. the church, um, that some people will say, we don't care what it takes to get a person into this relationship with Christ, just get them into the relationship. And yeah. and if fear is not a good motivator, and if love isn't enough to motivate them, right. you've got to do something else. And so sometimes what people will do is they will manipulate mm-hmm. folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember years ago, I was preaching in a church in Texas, 
and I had it was a youth revival. I'd preached there the year before, and mm-hmm. and the first night after I preached, this young girl came up. She, I don't know. She's probably fifteen, maybe sixteen. Yeah. And she said, do you remember me? Which is always a scary thought when yes. I'm preaching somewhere for the second time. Right. But, I, but I did actually remember her. Uh-huh. And uh, I had given an invitation that night about, you know, if you want to give your life to Christ, you know, we want to yeah. pray with you. We want to help you with that. Yeah. And so when she came up to talk to me, she said, I really want to do what you say. Okay. But I'm not sure I'm ready. And so we just kind of sat there in the front of the church and we talked for a while, and I just told her, I said, look, it's got to be your decision. Right. It's, it's not something I can force on you. Mm-mm. I'm not going to manipulate you. Mm-mm. But trust me, everything within me wants to see you make this decision. Yeah. And the last night of that revival, she came up and she said, if you had forced me to do that, I would have resented you, and mm-hmm. I would have resented it for mm-hmm. the rest of my life. She goes, but you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um and tonight I'm ready to make that decision. Wow. Yeah, now, I pray. I don't even remember her name. She could yeah. walk in here right now and she'd have to tell me the story because right. I wouldn't remember her. Right. But my prayer is that because she knew God loved her, yes. that that continues to sustain her uh-huh. in walking and living a Christian life. We just It's not about any means necessary. That's not the kind of love Jesus had Mm-mm. in the sense that Jesus would say, well, I'll just trick everybody off. Right. You know, I'll heal a blind man. That'll right. <laughs> make, no. make everybody yeah, believe. Exactly. It's so, so true. So when, when you think of, uh, you know, the love of Jesus and, mm-hmm. and how you would describe that to someone, uh, a, a kind of love that would lead someone into a relationship mm-hmm. with Christ, what are some of the things you think of? Well, you know, I think it's, uh, it's that gentle ability to lead us in, in such a way that, that we're not pushed into anything. I think that what I've noticed with God and his dealings with me over all the years is that, uh, he never moves at the wrong pace. I do sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't ever. He doesn't ever move at the wrong pace, and he's always really, really gentle. It's amazing how powerful he is, and how gentle he can be at the same time. Because uh, I've just noticed that when I needed to learn something, um, and, and I and I truly, truly learned it from him. It it was always something that. Um, it may have expanded me in such a way that it was slightly painful because you okay. know I needed to grow, but it was never more than I could bear, and it was never crushing in any way. The the way that the weight of the world is crushing, and so sometimes I think when when I've dealt with people and they want to know how do I know if this is God? How do I know if God's telling me this? How do I know if God's putting this on my heart? What I like to tell them is you know God. God is truly a gentle God, and that's part of it's one of the fruit of the Spirit, right. is gentleness, and that's part of who He is. And so, you know, if you're feeling crushed by the weight of something, that's usually not God. If you, Ooh, that's a good word. Mm, that is a good word. I'm into that. So, if you if you are feeling um, like you might be a little afraid to take the step, but in your heart of hearts of hearts you know that it would be good even if it's a little scary. A lot of times that usually is God. (laughs) Right. Because sometimes going forward with him, uh, his love draws you forward. His love doesn't just keep you stagnant. It doesn't, um, it's not like a, uh, it's not like something that attracts flies. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's just not a stagnant thing. It's something that pulls you forward. But 
just at the right pace. I appreciate what you said about drawing us in because that's one of the things I think about is the, the love of Jesus just it, it it's draws us in. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a magnet. Mm-hmm. We're just pulled toward it. And that's one of the things that leads me to the, the statement that I wanted everybody to know on Easter is love can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, again, one, you know, like you, we both listen to song lyrics and yeah. lyrics get stuck in our head. Yeah. And uh, Michael Card, great songwriter, yeah. wrote a song called, you know, why? Mm-hmm. Great question. We all ask yes. it in multiple ways. But one of the questions in the song is, you know, why did they nail Jesus' hands and feet to the cross? Mm-hmm. His love would have held him there. Mm-hmm. I love that you line. Know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Because his love could not be stopped. And even yeah. after he was dead, God's love for us did not stop. And when he rose on the third day, his mm-hmm. love did not stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that is part of the beauty of Easter Sunday is that, that love, which the world thought they had killed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could not be stopped. It, not it rose stopped. again from the dead. Yeah, and that's why I loved the illustration that you used with Dick and Rick Hoyt. Because oh, gosh. It was so good about the fact that that Dick would run and run and run, uh, again, was just the perfect illustration that he would push, uh, that he would push Rick in the wheelchair or that he would swim with him tethered, you know, right, to had a that raft. little inflatable raft tethered yeah. to his waist. And it just, it was that perfect uh, illustration of God's strength for us that he's not going to stop. But when, when we look at God in our uh, inability to do something like Rick would have looked at his dad and said, I want to do this, but there's no way that I can, yeah. you know, Dick looked back at him and said, okay, we're going to do right. this. And, and God does that for us. And God's the one that provides all the strength, all of the muscle power, all of the endurance and perseverance. He's the one that provides it for us. And so it was just a beautiful thing to think about God's ability to do that in, in our inability. Whenever I look at Dick Hoyt's life, and, and honestly, I don't know if he was a person of faith or yeah. not, but I mean, the love he demonstrated for his mm-hmm. son, I, I find myself thinking if, if I had a son who had cerebral palsy mm-hmm. and said, dad, I want to run in a race. And that meant I had to push him in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I would probably think, Okay, I'm going to do this, yeah. and afterwards it's like, whoo, Check that one off Glad the list. <laughs> I never have to do right. that again. This this running thing has stopped. It's all done. It's, yeah. it's good. And uh, he didn't do that. It, no. it became a habit where they went from five miles to running a marathon to the um, Ironman triathlon in yeah. Hawaii. It just it, the only thing that stopped it was um, he just. 74. He felt like he was too old to do it. By then, his son was an adult um, and Mm -hmm. had grown and gotten bigger. I actually read an article years ago on Dick Hoyt, and it talked about how all the physical pain he had Mm -hmm. from all the running and all the swimming Mm -hmm. and and how it was. He just, he kept going. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason his story is you know, it, it just gives us a glimpse mm-hmm. of the love of God. Yeah. It cannot be mm-hmm. stopped. And so we want to add that to our faith. That mm-hmm. Faith saves it, but, but let's love in such a way that is the authentic representation of God's love. And let's love mm-hmm. in such a way that um, people aren't afraid and they're mm-hmm. not manipulated, but mm-hmm. it really leads them into a saving faith mm-hmm. because that is the kind of love that cannot be stopped. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, just another old hymn, This is Love that Christ has first loved 
us. Yes. So I love that. So what closing thoughts do you have for us mm, today? Well, I just I love I love your last point of that Christ first loved us. I love it that in relationship with God, he's the one that initiated it and we don't have to be the ones to make things happen in that relationship because he's the one who first loved us and initiated that relationship. So friends, I am so glad that you've joined us for another podcast today. We're excited uh, to get to be with you for even just a little while. And we would love for you to join us on site or online for our worship services on Sunday. We're back to our normal schedule this week at 8.30 or 10.50. We have opened up for Sunday school at 9.30. Of course, you can catch us online as well, Facebook Live and YouTube Live at those two hours or any time after it. But we are so grateful for you and uh, we pray God's richest blessings upon you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hey friends, D.A. Bennett, St. Andrews Community United Methodist Church. I want you to know that we are discovering some real blessing and benefit of digital discipleship, but we also want to talk to you about subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, it's under the church's name and you'll get some different uh, video devotions each day. So if you're looking for another venue, maybe that'll work for you. God bless you.